you know, I sit back and I look over my life, over, and all of us can, you know, I don't want to get on my soapbox and all of that. It's not, we're not going to do all of that. But, but it's amazing how, and we were talking about it this morning, me and Joe was talking about it, how that, you know, we've all come a long ways. You know, you consider what we've all had to go through and what we're experiencing, and somehow we still find ourselves standing, looking good, and we're healthy, and we're blessed. And uh, one of the first things I want to ask the Lord is, I'm going to say, Lord, why me? Because I feel like one of the most unworthy persons to be standing up here. And I don't say that just by a religious cliche or just something to say. But I know my own personal struggles and my own difficulties. And still, God can, beyond that, extend the amount of grace to us, that he still uses us. And then he calls us co-laborers. That means we get to participate in doing what it is that he is doing in the earth. And so I am delighted. I really am delighted. And I thank you so much for thinking about us. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's anybody here that's ever pastored before. But it is uh, a very, very difficult thing. I was having lunch with a couple yesterday. And we were talking. And I said, I've, you know, since I've been doing this now a little bit more than two years, I've seen all kinds of things. I've seen people, you know, change right before your eyes. And you look at them like, oh, wow, who are you? <laughs> and you've seen all these people go through various trials because, you know, the enemy is out there and he wants to stop us. And when we talk about stopping us, we're talking about from our purpose and our destiny, the dreams and the visions that God has put in us. And how many know that we're going we're gonna to stand for what God called us to do? Amen. So, again, thank you so much from the depths of my heart. And uh, why don't we uh, begin in prayer as we prepare to go into the word of God. Father, we thank you that you're on the throne. Thank you for your mercy. <laughs> None of us, Lord, have a right to claim anything, Lord. Because, Lord, we're not good enough. We're just servants, God. That's all we are. And I just pray that these dear people that have come together this morning to hear a word, that, Father, that you would speak to them words of life, words of encouragement, that this will not be Gary speaking, but this will be the Holy Spirit, that you would reach deep into the corridors of the hearts of those who are listening this morning and bless their souls and bless their hearts and strengthen and encourage them to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We magnify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of weeks ago, I did a series, a two-part series, and I was talking about um, are you born from above? And that message was a little bit direct because one of the things that, and I think all of us desire to see, is that people have a relationship with God. I want to be able to look up one day and see every last one of you with me in the kingdom. The wonderful thing about being a child of God is we get to be together forever. So I tell people all the time, if you don't like me, you better start getting used to me. Because if you're a Christian, you're going to be stuck with me. And it's never going to change. And, and so it's important to understand the, the, the concept of being born again. Because my heart's desire is to see you in the kingdom. And there's, there's so many people out there that are just deceived about the whole idea of being born again. And, 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 or they take it for granted and think, well, I can kind of make my way in by doing good and by participating in communion and by going to church and putting in the offering and participating in activities. All those things are great and good, should be done. But none of that in and of itself get you into heaven. 
The only thing gets you into heaven is God's grace and God's mercy. And so now having understand the concept of being born again, now that you are a Christian, how now do I live my life? How do I, how do I enjoy the, the Christian life that God has given me? I can think back uh, five, oh, no, five, more, much more than that, uh, almost 10 years ago. Uh, i say maybe 10, 11 years, maybe 11 or 12 years ago. And uh, we was living down in Tyson's, Tyson's Corner at the time. And, um, and frustration began to settle in because I was on fire for God in me. I loved God with a passion. I, I, just, I just always had this, this deep hunger for the things of God. And uh, I found myself becoming really, really frustrated to the, the point that I started saying, you know what? Man, it was easier living in the world than being a Christian. Because, God, I just don't measure up. <laughs> you know, I, I know what I'm supposed to do, you know, and I, you know, and every time I would, if I miss my morning devotion of time or, you know, I'll be like, oh, gosh, I didn't. Or, you know, if I was supposed to pray and I didn't pray, you know, I'd get bothered by it. Oh, if I had an evil thought and the enemy would come and tell me, well, you know what, if you're really a Christian, you wouldn't be thinking that way. And so I would get down on myself. And I just kind of remember walking down Route 7. Down there by, um, uh, what's the place, um, Pimmit Hills. Just kind of walking down a corridor thinking to myself, God, what, what is it? I, I just don't feel the joy of the Lord anymore. Because this thing is supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be joyful. It's supposed to be complete. I'm supposed to be satisfied. Why is it that I don't feel so satisfied? I mean, I, I, I'm excited. I, I love you, but... but God, I just cannot find it in myself to measure up. I just keep stumbling. And then it dawned on me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. And just as clear as day, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Power is perfected in weakness. God began to show me that if I simply abide in him, focus on my relationship with him my love for him, then the life that I want to live, God lives through you. And so now as a Christian, it is important that you understand that you will never measure up. God never expected you to measure up in your own strength. Because if you could measure up, then there would be no reason for Christ to come and die. He came and died because we keep falling short. Because he knows that we're a mess. How many know you're a mess? I know I can I know I'm a mess. You know, we're not being all Mr. and Mrs. Religion here. We're just being honest before God. And so suddenly I found that the thing that really troubled me in my discontentment, I found that the joy of the Lord came back to me because I realized that I had already been accepted. I realized that I had already been forgiven. That I realized that I didn't have to try and measure up. All I needed to do was to sit back and just relax and focus on my relationship with the Lord. Because how many know that when you really, really love something or someone, it changes your behavior? See, when I was in, I first met my wife, you know, in love with my wife, you know, there were just some things that automatically came with that. I didn't have to sweat it. <laughs> you, you remember that? You go back, you know, when you're in love, you just 
automatically roses, doors opening. You know, my wife will often talk about, you know, the, you know, my first date with her was, you know, and I was in college and she talked about my, uh, you know, my taking her to Burger King. And uh, a Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street. And I, I, thought, I, I thought that was a big deal. And uh, she often talk about and I, you know, I still think, I mean, for college, I mean, you know, when you're in college, every dime counts. But, boy, I did that because I was getting to know this lady. And I was like, yeah, you know, this is, this is it right here, Freddy Krueger. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. This is, this is the bomb. Let's do this thing. The point is that when you really love something, someone, then the, the, the things are much easier. You don't have to try. You don't have to work at it. So I begin to focus my attention instead of on a bunch of do's and don'ts. I begin to focus my affections toward, Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you. And so, you know, I never understand the concept when people, for an example, when, when you come, coming to church for me has always been that opportunity for me, realizing that I have been captured by his grace. I always looked at it as, you know, this is my opportunity to come and worship him and to thank him for forgiving me of all the stuff that I've done and am still in the process of doing. That's it be for the grace of God that keeps me. And so it's that one opportunity that we have to come together as the people of God and say, God, I want to thank you so much because you didn't have to do that. And so what you find is, as a Christian, you'll find from time to time, you'll find what I call legalists. And I hate legalism. I hate it with a passion. Because legalism has to do with human effort trying to perform outside of the grace of God. And so you'll find from time to time people that are legalists. You know what they'll try to do? They'll try to impose certain things on you. You know, you can't go to a movie. You know, you can't go here you can't do that you know you can't you can't if you're really spiritual you can't wear pants you can't really wear makeup how many of you've been there before i grew up in an old pentecostal church that's where it was but you come up there with some with with some uh you were the female or you were a female and you came in there with with pants on oh you ain't holy god will never have you but take them pants off you gotta wear a dress and then oh, and, hey and you better not put on any makeup that's a no-no because God wants you looking natural. But all of these rules are man-made rules. They have nothing to do with what the Bible says. And so the point of our message today is to bring you to a point where you leave out of this place and you're enjoying your relationship with God. You're loving God. You're, listen, you need to know that you have been accepted, that God approves of you, not because of what you have done, but what he did, Christ. Well, see, when we get a revelation of God's grace and everything that Christ did for us, boy, it will change your life. It will change your whole perspective on how you look at church, how you look at your relationship with God. When you get a revelation of that, the problem is we, we don't get that revelation. We miss it sometimes. And we want to talk about that today. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter number two. Ephesians chapter number two. Y'all mind if I close this door just a little bit? All right. Is everybody comfortable? Great. Ephesians chapter number two. 
I have a tendency sometimes to get really excited when there's a really a good topic that I'm talking about. And sometimes I, I move so quickly because there's just so much. So I'm trying to slow myself down on purpose because I really want to lay something in your spirit this morning that I think that is going to benefit you tremendously. So I want to take my time. I want to share with you what God is saying. Look at Ephesians chapter number two. We're going to start in verse one. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That is the devil. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Among whom also we have once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God. Look at your name and say, but. See, that's important. Say it again, but. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's absolutely amazing the amount of grace that God has bestowed upon us. Paul here was talking to the Ephesians church. And he was reminding them of the condition that they were in before God's grace came. He says, by nature, you were, this, you were, uh, you were, you were following the prince of the power of the air, meaning Satan. By nature, we were all children of wrath, just like everybody else. We was without God. We had no hope in the world. In fact, we winged it and we did whatever it was that came natural to our minds. How many know that we were in a bad, bad place? But then I like how he expresses this. This is a wonderful piece of literature. Because he says, but God. Now, I'm not an English major. But, but seems to cancel out. It's, it's about to introduce something stupendous that's about to happen. That he's saying, but God. Even though our former life, we were full of our own selves. We had no hope. We were on our way to hell. But God. And the next time somebody want to remind you of your past, here's what you tell them. But God. Well, you know, didn't you have an abortion many years ago? Yeah, but God. Well, didn't you do this crime, enemy? But God. 
In other words, God came, and in spite of our own selves, what he did was he canceled that old life and brought in a whole new way of living. But God, he did it because of his mercy. He says here in verse number four of the same chapter, Ephesians chapter two, but God, who is rich in mercy, rich in mercy. How many know what the word rich means? Rich means you're wealthy. You got plenty. There's a scripture in the Bible that says that, that God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And so here's what happens. Listen, every day before you go to bed, when you wake up in the morning, God has already wrapped up a box of mercies, tailor-made for the next day, just for you. His mercy never, ever runs dry. <laughs> You cannot exhaust the mercy of God. You cannot exhaust the favor of God. Well, God, I keep coming to you over and over again about this. This okay. Come as you are because his mercy never, ever runs dry. For God is faithful. That word mercy means divine favor or compassion. God just in his sovereignty, he decides that, you know what, I am just going to extend mercy. And mercy has everything to do with you getting what you don't deserve. You getting what you absolutely do not deserve. And then it says that, verse 5, even when we were dead (laughs) in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You know, the wonderful thing about that is. You ever heard people say, well, you know, I've witnessed the people and they'll say to me, well, you know what? One day I'll come to Christ, but, 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 but first I got to get a couple things right. You ever heard that? Well, first of all, you will never get a couple things right. If you're waiting for you to get it right, you are not ever going to get it right. Get it right. The wonderful thing about this salvation is the Bible talks about that while we were yet sinners, while we were at the pinnacle of our sin, Christ died for you. God, in other words, God came running to us when we were in the middle of our sin. God, listen, God didn't choose you because you're beautiful. God didn't choose you because you have a big bank account. I don't know anything about that. God didn't choose you because of how you look of any of that. He chose you. Why did he choose you? Because of his mercy. So he just decided to just extend this this favor and and this mercy to us. And he came after us when we were in the thick of our sins. Now that we're saved, how much more will he share his life with us? I'm going to show you something in Romans uh, chapter number five to illustrate the point that I'm talking about. Romans chapter number five, verse number six. Listen to this. Now, somebody, you'll get free this morning. You're listening to this. You're going to get free. If you really hear this word now, you know, I want y'all to really listen and say and ask the Lord. Now, repeat after me, Lord. I want everybody, everybody repeat after me. This is not hard. Lord, speak to my heart. Change me. This word is going to, listen, this word is going to lay a foundation in you that's going to change you. Look at verse number six in Romans chapter number five. For when we were still without strength, in other words, we were helpless, in due time, at the proper time, Christ 
died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But listen, look at verse number eight. But God demonstrated. How did he demonstrate it? His love. He demonstrated his love by stretching himself over the cross for our sins. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. Glory to God. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. While we were yet sinners. God did not call you or expect you to be perfect. People would try to make you perfect, right? You know, I can always smell a legalist miles away. Because they always are talking about the do's and the don'ts. And they lack relationship. They lack intimacy. But boy, when you come into a revelation of God's love and the fact that, you know what? God knew that you were, that you were imperfect. God knew your shortcomings. And at that moment, he thought from the corridors of time before the beginning of time. That's why the Bible talks about in Ephesians. We don't have time to turn there. How that he predestined us. To salvation as sons and daughters. That means that before you were ever born, God called you unto himself. Now, I have no idea why he chose me. And I'm sure you're thinking the same thing. Why did he choose me? You're here this morning, not because you just decided I'm going to come. I know a lot of us think that. You're here this morning because God did something on the inside of you that brought you here. He brought you here by his grace. He predestined you. To be a son and a daughter of almighty God. And it had nothing to do with your performance. It has everything to do with his grace and his mercy. Now that ought to take the weight off. That ought to make you a little bit more excited that you know what? I am free. Now we're going to talk about that freedom a little bit because we don't want to get carried away. But, but, but you understand what I'm saying? We're free in God. To enjoy him and fellowship with him and be around his people. Verse number eight, he says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. Listen to that. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Least any man should boast. So God decided to save us. Because. He just felt like it. (laughs) There's no other explanation. God, why did you save me? Because there are a lot of people out there. The Bible says narrow is the way and few are going to come that way. But wide is the way that leads to destruction. So that tells me that there are many people that are not going to experience this salvation that you and I have. Why did God come after us? I don't know. But I like it. I like it. He says, for by grace you have been saved, and that not of yourself. That means that you didn't do anything to earn it, and you can't do anything to keep it. And I like how he says, least that any man should boast. 
Because how many know that, that there's this pride in man that thinks that, that you know what, I have to kind of do something, you know, I got to kind of make this thing work. In order for, for me to really be accepted or, or, or by God, then there are some things that I got to do. No, what you need to do is come to Christ. Submit your life to him and God changes you. Yes. You know, one of, as I said earlier before, the life of Christ living inside of you, he will change you. And all of a sudden you will discover when you draw nearer to him, you will discover that your desires are beginning to change. Your relationship, everything now is beginning to change because because Christ is changing you from the inside out. What a lot of people try to do is change from the outside in. It don't work. It only goes but so long. If you try to change yourself from an external perspective, well, today I'm going to stop cussing. No, that, that has to be something that is born outside of here. God changes you here, and whatever is in here is ultimately going to come out. So no matter how we mask it, the change happens in our heart. And so Christ comes and he writes his law, his finger of love on our hearts. And when our hearts are changed, it affects what? Our actions and our behavior change because of our relationship with Christ. Are you with me? You know, there are some today that are still trying to work their way into heaven. Galatians 2.21 says, if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. In other words, if there's another way that people can get into heaven without Christ, then the whole point of it is is then, then Christ, he really died for nothing. The whole essence behind Christ dying is that you and I were not good enough. We could not measure up. And he had to come and die for us so that we can be made right with God. And it has absolutely nothing to do with you other than the fact that he decided to lavish his love on you. Look at Colossians chapter number two. It's right after Philippians. You have Ephesians, you have Philippians, and then you have Colossians. Chapter number two. <laughs> Verse number 11. Are y'all comfortable? Is it warm in here? You comfortable? Only me, right? It's always me. Let me drink some water. Maybe I feel a little better. All right. Colossians chapter number two, verse number 11. And it reads, in him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You were buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of who? God who raised him from the dead and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Uncircumcision mean that you were outside of the kingdom of God. You were outside looking in. He has made you alive or the King Ver- the King James version would say he has quickened you together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, not a few, not some, here and there, but having forgiven you all of your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, 
And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over it. See, the wonderful thing about our salvation is that God forgave you not of a couple of sins. Well, what about this sin? What about that sin? I mean, God, surely. I mean, isn't there a limit with God? You remember we talked about that? That God is rich in mercy and grace. I had a gentleman years ago who told me, he said, you know, whenever I was, uh, when I used to work in patrol, I kind of made it my personal business. This was after my training, after you were gone, because I couldn't, you know, Mr. Reed back here trained me back in the day. And, uh, and uh, when I was cut loose, I used to make it my business to make sure that if you're going to sit in the back of my cruiser with handcuffs on, then you're going to get the gospel. You're going to get it one way or another. If I had to preach it to you, if I'm going to blast the radio, you can hear it. If you were drunk and screaming, the radio got louder and louder. And so I always made it my business to witness. And I had a, I had a conversation with a man one time who worked at the same station I worked at. And I said, man, that brother, man, he, he, he's going to get right. He's going to get saved. You know, he's going to get right with God. You mean to tell me that this guy who did A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and here I am working hard every day of my life, trying to raise my family. I'm not out here burglarizing houses and breaking into people's stuff and taking their property. And you mean to tell me that this guy can get into heaven? I looked at him. I said, absolutely. I don't want that salvation. He was indignant. Because what he didn't recognize is that God has concluded that all of us has fallen into sin. Now, here's what we do. We measure ourselves by ourselves, right? I'm a little bit better sinner than you are. (laughs) That's what we do. But we all fall short because God's standard is holy. God is perfect. God is righteous. God cannot fellowship with sinful creatures unless those creatures are in Christ. And so he did not understand that. God will forgive you of every sin. The only sin you can't be forgiven for if you reject his son. There's no forgiveness for that. Because his son is the only ticket into heaven. That is it. But he's forgiven me of all of my trespasses. That means past, present, future. Why future? Because the Bible says that he ever lives to make intercession for us. That means that every time you act like a fool, (laughs) Christ is up there interceding on your behalf to God the Father, saying, God, remember, I died for that. For what they just did, I died for that. And when God sees you, he sees you as completely righteous. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, he's a heretic. Give me a no, no. Let me explain. Say all your sins have been forgiven, right? Romans 8 says that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation. There's no punishment of death. You who are in Christ, listen, you are not condemned. It doesn't matter what you've done. As long as it's under the blood, you are covered. 
Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't make me want to go out and sin more. It makes me want to love God. It, it, it just says to me, I am just so grateful for what you've done, God. I just want to honor you with my life. <laughs> the law of God is perfect. It says here in Colossians, verse number 14 in Colossians chapter 2, that he wiped having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us. Now, is that to say that there is something that was wrong with the law of God? There's nothing wrong with the law of God. There was something wrong with us. The problem is the sin in us, we could not keep the law of God. Now, many people, when they think about the law of God, they think about the Ten Commandments. But the law of God was much, much more. There were ceremonial laws. There were all kinds of laws. And whatever it was, listen, we could not keep the law. And so the law, which was a picture of who God is, we kept falling short because of our own sin. Now, the law is perfect. The law is good. Nothing wrong with the law. But it condemned us because we were weak. It's almost like a a mirror. I wish I had one. I wanted to bring one this morning. When you look in a mirror, the mirror can't change you. You stare in the mirror, the mirror tells you what it is. And the mirror tells you what you need to fix. But the mirror has no power to change you. It's just a reflection. It's saying, this is what you look like. So was the law of God. The law of God is perfect and holy. The law of God is like a mirror. We look at it and we realize how much of a mess we are. We need to get this fixed. But the law could not fix it because there was a problem with us. Look at Galatians chapter number three. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Galatians chapter number three. Galatians chapter number three. How are we doing? We doing okay? All right. Verse number 19. Look at this. Galatians chapter three, verse 19. Says, what purpose then does the law serve? Talking about the law of God. Because we're saved by grace. It does not mean that we just, the law of God is not right. or something deficient with the law of God. It doesn't mean that. He said the law was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come, talking about Christ, to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God, but God is one. Verse 21, is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been given, uh, if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. In other words, we were trapped because we couldn't keep the law. We couldn't obey God in and of our own strength. Before Christ came, we were in bad shape. We were kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was what? Our tutor. To bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. 
For you are all the sons of God through what? Faith in Jesus Christ. That is good stuff. And so what the law is, the law is like our tutor. The law of God kind of tells us that you can't obey God in of your own strength. You can't please God. What you need to do, you need to turn to Christ. It was a tutor. To see, the whole Bible is about this one thing. It's about Christ Jesus, the Old and the New Testament. Everything about this Bible points to Jesus Christ, who is the total fulfillment of all things for God, who is what? Our righteousness. He is our perfection. The Bible says, listen to this, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, you don't have to turn there, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. He made him to be sin. It doesn't mean that Christ was sinful because he could not atone for us if he was sinful. He had no sin. What it means is that, that all of our sins, God took all of our sins and he imputed them or laid them on Christ. And because Christ was victorious over our sins because he was the perfect sacrifice of God, there was no sin in him. So now, get this, watch this now. So when God looks at you, he looks at you as being totally and completely righteous. He looks at you as being justified. He says, that's my righteous son. So you ever hear people say, well, ain't no saints on the earth. I beg to differ. You are a saint of God. That's why, you know, you, are, you have been made right with God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus paid that for you. He, see, when you come to Jesus, he wipes all that stuff away. But now you are free. You have been made right with God. And a lot of people struggle with that. Because, yeah, from a practical standpoint, yeah, we still struggle. But God already accounted for that, too. <laughs> Do any of us make the mistake of thinking that God somehow, something snuck up on God? <laughs> you know how we sometimes get surprised? Oh, my God. Oh, he did what? Oh, she did. Oh, I can't, I can't believe. Do you think God is in heaven saying that? God is never caught off God with anything. God knows the end and the beginning all at the same time. There are no surprises with God. And yet he still loves us. He still chose us before the foundations of the earth. In Galatians chapter number five, and we're coming down. Look at your neighbor and say he's coming down. Y'all want me to stay up? You want me to come down? It's up to you guys. Say he coming down. There we go. All right, now, it says in Galatians chapter 5, now you're free. Because, see, somebody will make the mistake in their thinking, well, since Christ has saved me by his grace, that means that I can go and party it up, live it up, do whatever makes me feel good. Let me tell you something. Nothing further could be from the truth. The freedom that Christ has given you is not for you to go and fulfill the lust of your flesh. How many know the same lust that was in your flesh before salvation is still present? It ain't going to go anywhere until you're finally in his presence. You're, you're still going to struggle. But Paul had to remind in Galatians chapter number five, and you go read it in your own spare time. 
the Judaizers would tell the Galatian church, it would say to them, well, in order to be accepted or in order to be made right with God, not only, you, not only must you believe in Christ, that's okay, you want to believe in Christ, but you also got to keep the law. And so Paul had to tell the Galatians that you need to stand firm in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. Because how I many know there are going to be some Judaizers out there that want to put you in the bondage? There are going to be people that are going to come with different rules and regulations because they're miserable. And how many know that miserable loves company? They are miserable and they want to make you miserable. They can't keep the law of God, but then they want to come with all these stipulations. Sometimes you got to fight for your liberty. He says to stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. And don't you be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I can remember my wife reminds me of it every day of my life. Bless her soul. We went on that cruise. And I was in a somewhat of a legalistic church. You know, I mean, this pastor has some strong convictions, you know, no contemporary gospel music. Oh, whew, boy, you listen to that contemporary stuff. That, that, that beat is demonic. And I used to have a brother try to reason with me from scripture. I mean, none of the scripture talk about a demonic beat. But he would say, oh, no, that's a. Uh, you know, you, you can't do that. And so he had everybody that had any kind of contemporary Christian music. They all came to church and they all brought their CDs with Vicky Winans, CC Winans, and all the, just threw them on the altar, burned them up. Burned them up. Because that's how the devil. And so we go on this cruise. You know, I'm thinking, man, you know, me and my wife, long belated honeymoon. All right. Eight-night cruise. I'm really excited, man. And uh, went to a couple places. Went to some Broadway shows. I'm like, yeah. And then my wife posed this question to me. And I said, whoa. She said, honey, what, baby? Let's go dance. Uh, what? You say? No. No, 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 no. Not going to do that. No. Oh, that's big. I can't do that. She said, "Why? We, you know, we're, you know, long as the song is okay and it's not, you know, anything sinful. We just, just you and I." I said, "No, baby, you know, that's uh, the devil. Can't be out there dancing now, you know, because somebody had put that on me. That legalism. You know, listen, brother. If you listen, here's the thing: when, I, when, when the Bible says you're free, you are free. Listen, if you don't like to dance, don't dance." <laughs> And listen, I've heard Christians say, don't go, don't go to movies. Oh, that's of the devil. Well, brother, if you don't want to go to movies, just don't go to movies. But me and my wife, we're going to see a movie. We're going to dance a little bit. It's a righteous kind of a dance, but we're going to dance. We're going to have fun. Why? Because I'm free. As long as what I'm doing is not sinful, I'm free. You are free. And so there are going to be those people that will come to you and they will try to put you in bondage. And here what you say to them, can, can you defend that from the scripture? Now, if you can defend that from the scripture, I'll hear it. I always say that to people because I love the words. See, I read the word. I, you know. So if you can defend that from the scripture, then let's, let's do it. That's why we tell you this church, we always say bring your Bibles 
and read along with me because I want to avoid anybody saying, well, that's just his opinion. I don't want to give you my opinion. I want to give you what the word of God says. He says, stand firm in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. You are free to enjoy your life in Christ. But listen what he says here. He says in verse 13 of chapter 5, for you, brethren, in Galatians, for you, brethren, have been called to what? Liberty. You're free. But here's, here's the stipulation, and we're going to talk more about this next week. You don't want to miss next week. It's going to get even better. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. But through love serve one another. So we're not to use the freedom that we have as an opportunity to fulfill our lustful, sinful desires. But by love, we're to serve one another. So that means that as a Christian, I'm not under law. I'm under relationship. I got a relationship with Christ. That's my focus. And so as a Christian, my responsibility is to make sure that whatever I'm doing, that I don't cause my brother or my sister to stumble. Liberty does not mean that, oh, brother, I had a free ticket to sin. You know, people that think that way, I wonder if they got saved at all. When you think, you know, people that think, well, how far can I push the envelope? No, when you got a relationship with Christ, you don't want to push the envelope. Baby. You, you're just so grateful because why did he, why did he bless me like that? Why me? And so what it makes you want to do is celebrate. Thank God. Live for him and give your life over to him because he's been so good to you. So he had to remind them to stand firm in the liberty by which he's called them to be free. In Galatians chapter 2, and you read it in your own spare time, Paul had, Paul had reminded the Galatian people. He said, there was a time when some of the Judaizers, they came in to spy out their liberty in Christ. And Paul had to remind the Galatians. He said, look, don't even yield to them for a second. Every, every one of us have certain convictions about certain things, right? Some of us like this kind of music. Some of us like that kind of music. Some of us like this kind of beat. Some of us like that kind of beat. Some of us like long hair. Some of us like short hair. David? All of us. <laughs> Listen, here's what I'm saying. You are under grace. You're free. Look, just don't be sinning up and acting crazy. Just live your life free as a bird. Enjoy your salvation that God has given you. Enjoy your life and celebrate, have a good time and just just draw near to Christ. And listen, as you draw near to him, he will begin to change the stuff in you that you you are struggling with. The reason why you and I, let's let's be real honest here. The reason why we struggle in certain areas is because of a lack of intimacy with Christ. A lack of prayer time, a lack of devotion time, and a lack of spending time with his people, a lack of focus on him causes you to struggle in certain areas. Because, see, now that he saved you by his grace, you need his grace to sustain you during the course of a week. His grace got to keep you because God's grace just keep pouring out on you. Now you have to be open to it. But his grace just keeps on pouring over you. And so you need to be like the Apostle Paul said. He said, listen, I am what I am by the grace of God. Yeah, before I used to kill Christians, I persecuted them. 
Apostle Paul, mind you, wrote a third of the New Testament. This man was out there sanctioning the death of followers of Christ before he had an impact and an encounter with God that changed them. And he finally said to the point, when God called him to the ministry, Paul said, listen, I am, I am the one, I am definitely not worthy to be doing what I'm doing. But you know what? I am what I am by the grace of God. Some of you need to pick your head up and you need to realize, you know what? I've fallen short. I've made some mistakes. But you know what? By the grace of God, I am where I am. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not the same that I used to be. I'm moving ahead in God. I'm moving forward. I'm making some progress. And enjoy your relationship with God. Amen? What I wanted to do was, um, Kenny, uh, if you can play that track.